0: Welcome back to my little corner of your mind. I promise not to leave my shoes in the middle of your living room or to over your cat. Last week we faced the emptiness of the void. This week will be a little more action-packed. I present for your eager absorption a tale of a man who knew the darkness as he knew himself. A thief, an artist and a conduit. We'll let him describe in his own words, from his journal which I gained from a police evidence locker, how it is to blur that line the other dimensions draw in the sand. I present, A Shady Character. Every other time I try to take something from a store, I get busted. Only every other time, and I've never had the police called on me. I don't know why I do it. It just happens naturally when I go in one. The reasons aren't important. My haul is important. At home I have a lot of things piled up, shiny, ill-gotten things that sing to me at night with the prospect of gaining more shiny things. Most of them are still in their boxes and don't get to see the light of day or the flickering fluorescent of night for that matter. In the early mornings I draw. I sketch my pile of shiny things and then I draw monsters around them. I build a wall of shadow and outline horns and eyes and teeth. There is always an army of waiting darkness surrounding my shiny things and they are looking me right in the eye. They're not threatening though, not to me, they're waiting for my orders. I won't give them any though, not yet. The time has not come yet, the pile isn't big enough, and they don't look hungry enough. I do all my sketches in charcoal. I do not like the art charcoal pencils, I like the stuff you burn in a barbecue pit. It only ever seems to come in those big bags, so that's what I get it in. It's nearly impossible to steal one. So, it is one of my few genuine purchases. I only have had to pay for it once so far. I think that bag will last me a while. Last week, my piece of paper looked too small. The shadows were bleeding out of the edges. I looked up at my wall and wondered if they wanted to crawl out onto that whiteness. I wondered if I wanted them to surround me at all times, rather than being confined to my pieces of paper. Once they were on the wall, they would be permanent, not the changing shapes of my daily fresh sketches. I pinned the piece of paper on the wall so that I could contemplate. After an hour of playing with one of my phones, I picked up my charcoal again and began shading around the paper. I drew an eye, then another, right eye was winking at me. I knew I was doing the right thing, setting them free. I didn't know how far I would sink into the shadows, but I knew that, so far, darkness was my only friend. We'll leave our light-fingered friend for a moment to discuss the consequences a willing unleashing of dark forces would create. Most scholars would say that the currently typical scenario of the dead rising and attacking is simply not realistic. Their reasoning is that a negative expanse of energy would not produce the effect of infusing corpses with life by sheer virtue of being a negative energy. A good shock needs a few positive eons, apparently. Of course, I'm no scientist, so I just agree with what I'm told. These scholars are not scientists either, however, so maybe they should not be agreeing with each other, and instead look for evidence. One thing they do know, however, is that the journal I read you is only a part of the greater story, the rest of which can be found in fragments of stories here and there. I have a novel here, released as fiction over a decade ago, that our trusty researchers are certain is part of the greater picture. Well... I have half a novel. The first half is completely missing, torn out, as it were, and the first pages of what remain are stained with what can only be blood. Or possibly, wine. For the sake of atmosphere, let's say blood. It also makes more sense contextually. Enjoy. He growled at the warm cup of broth put in front of him, then up at the man who gave it to him. What is this shit? Broth. No, I mean what are you doing here? We need you. We. The gang. It's back together. Yes. The Awakened thought about it for a few seconds. I was really comfortable, you know? How do you know that? The Awakened twisted his neck to one side, releasing a series of loud cracks. Well, I sure ain't comfortable now. What's going on? The big guy's back. The Awakened blinked a couple of times. What? The big guy? The other big guy. Shadow. Yup. The Awakened took a long sip from his broth and winced painfully. Why? He grabbed his chest and emitted a low moan thought you'd know better than to talk," said the Stranger. The Awakened got up from his chair, moaned again, and dropped to the ground where he began to shake spasmodically. The Stranger watched passively. After a while the seizures ended, and the Awakened painfully stood up and brushed himself off. He sat back down in his chair. This really wasn't worth being resurrected for. The Stranger rose an eyebrow. No too early in the morning put me back in my coffin finish your broth the stranger instructed your organ still needs some fixing and we have a lot to do i thought the term was rest in peace not for us the awakened drank the rest of his broth in long slow gulps then stood up and held onto the back of his chair with his eyes tightly screwed shut his body betrayed the occasional tremor and his knuckles turned white The wood in his grip groaned, then burst in a shower of splinters. He opened his eyes. Get my sword. We'll leave them playing with his sword for a moment to consider this. When we consider the duality of man, are we considering a split between good and evil? Why is it of man and not of woman? Could the duality of man actually be a split between traditional sexes? I'll leave it at that because the hexagony of man may take more time than this podcast allows. I do bring you, however, the other side of the curtain. Later on in this same novel, after several chapters detailing the polishing of weapons and silverware, the story picks up with a tale of a different warrior being taken up for this singular purpose. I present Chapter 27. The chapter had no title. In a dilapidated garage the size of a small apartment, a young woman took a running leap at a wooden cutout with a crude drawing of a 20-style gangster on it, complete with Tommy gun. As she closed on it, she twisted her body around and used the momentum to fling out her foot and smack the cutout in the face. The head neatly snapped off and spun across the room. Just as neatly, the girl alighted on the ground and allowed herself to show off with a little pirouette. She performed a short plie, of the surrounding emptiness then turned as she heard the door behind her creak open hello slam dance training the man at the door looked amused Slam dance relaxed when she saw the familiar figure yes I heard we needed to be informed we need to have our guns shined and greased that's for certain hmm I wish you all wouldn't keep calling me that by the way Slam dance it's so endearing. She made a face. I guess it's my fault for picking a name when I was 15. Most people don't find out so young. Most people don't have to choose between ballet and monster hunting. You were offered a choice. I like to pretend I was. I don't feel as bad about enjoying it so much. She walked up to him and turned and picked up a towel at the side of the door and wiped the sweat from her face facing the wall. We have a problem, the man stated, not turning. Slamdance dropped the towel and started stretching against the door. Oh yeah? Big problem? Really big problem. She frowned. Lots of problems. Just one. One really big problem. Slamdance lowered her leg from against the wall and walked back around to face the man. Is this a riddle or something? I'm not good with them. Someone asked me once to guess what walked on four legs in the morning Two legs at midday, and three legs in the evening, and it practically broke my brain. What did you end up answering? I didn't. I figured it was something dirty and broke his leg. A smile played at the man's face. You didn't. I did. We were at the bar, and I thought it was just a terrible pickup line. Anyway, I completed it for him. Now he had one leg, late at night. So you accidentally found the answer. She grinned. Oh, really? No way! What's the answer? Want some violence? Man. What? Man? How does that work? The man looked at his watch. There isn't time. Okay, fine. Just tell me how big this problem is and what we're dealing with here. It's Shadow. Shadow? No. The man fixed her with a gaze. Shadow. The colour drained from slam Dancer's face. Oh. Oh guess I'd better go have a shower then you have the craft out front for this yep all right see you out there in 10 she turned to go and the man ventured I wish I could say you don't have to come but you can stay here on account of ah don't keep talking it's fine we all have our duty just no more riddles okay yeah well not too late anyhow damn straight she said and walked out of the room And into our hearts, right dear listeners? So we have what appear to be two talented warriors preparing to fight an enemy called Shadow. But how do you fight the very darkness itself? Does it even have a physical form that can be pummeled? Its very name suggests smoke and tricks. Secrecy and invisibility. Chocolate ice cream with chocolate sauce in a deep seal brown bowl. So how was this creature, this apparent force, unleashed let's go back to our friend with a passion for discount merchandise and colouring in his journal shines a bit more light in the situation though in this story light tends to get swallowed up I'm up to the ceiling now I managed to steal a collapsible ladder from a building site on the weekend so I could continue filling in the gaps in my masterpiece my hands seem to be turning permanently black now I don't mind it though it makes me feel like the art I draw is an extension of my hands, that they somehow are unreal, something drawn into life. I dragged the ladder over to my door and climbed up to the top rung. It felt like all the eyes in the room followed my progress up. I lifted my hand and stopped, watching in my mind the blank space in front of me filled with shadows, faces, eyes and protectors. I brought the charcoal to the surface and began to shade. I realised leaning back to define the curve of a face, that the ladder by itself wouldn't be good enough for me to finish my art. I would need some sort of scaffolding if I was going to prevent myself falling off the ladder and onto my back. I brought myself down to ground level and studied the small patch of black I'd planted on the ceiling. My art skill was rising. Even though it was mostly black, the art had a 3D feeling about it, like there was a bulging sack of black skin hanging from the ceiling, muscles bunching, waiting to break free. I thought more about the scaffolding. It just wouldn't be possible, not yet. I walked over to the wall and grabbed the broom, then picked through my collection of loot until I found a long pink scarf. I remembered stuffing it into my pocket almost as an afterthought as I was leaving a department store a few months ago. Weathered, I tied my piece of charcoal to the end of the broom, then lifted it up to the ceiling. Drawing this way was much harder, small detail was almost out of the question, but it did allow me to get some broad strokes in. Spent the rest of the afternoon drawing figures around my light fixture, and soon to the edges. It looked like a macabre coloring inbook, m-book, all eyes and teeth. The big patches of white somehow made it more menacing, like the figures were daring me to fill them in and give them form. In the corner of my eye I thought I saw movement and spun around. All I saw were the drawings on the wall, watching me solemnly and silently. That was the first time I saw them move. Until there is some sort of momentum, we're all just waiting for something to happen. Isn't that right, dear listeners? Until there is an action, we cannot have the accompanying reaction. Reactions can have consequences. If our lives are a reaction to conception, is the consequence our inevitable death? Maybe the following piece of writing, a novelization of a famous but now forgotten police case, may shed some light on the consequences of a dark conception. Detective O'Flannery turned away from the corpse and cleaned his glasses on his tie. He'd gotten used to seeing cadavers now, but he wasn't sure if that disturbed him more than the twisted faces of the victims used to. Making headway with the evidence now, a voice nearby floated into his thoughts. Huh? Sorry? What was that? The forensics lab called. They're making some headway with the evidence. They think they may have lifted some prints. Oh yeah? O'Flannery stroked his moustache. An involuntary gesture he made when he was thinking. I'm guessing from the neck. That's right. The rookie grinned. Might as well have dusted his fingerprints beforehand, really. So what did it turn out to be? Charcoal? O'Flannery nodded. That sounded about right. Well, hopefully it picks up someone in the system. He looked back over at the newest victim and could see the deep black on her neck. It outlined the muscles there and emphasized the delicacy of the woman, like her neck was transplanted from a black swan. What I don't understand though, the rookie began. though flannery snapped his head around. What? I don't understand why nothing came up in the blood. I mean, it was obviously painted with his fingers, right? Why wasn't there some sort of partial? Or hers? Really? O'Flannery oh, raised an eyebrow. Uh, uh, yeah, of course, oh, he stumbled. Anyway, don't you think that's strange? I think the blood drawings themselves are strange. He turned back towards the crime scene and studied the nearby blood pattern. It was smeared across the base of the fountain in the middle of the park. The victim's arm was hooked over the edge, with a deep cut on her forearm clearly visible. Hey, come with me a second. O'Flannery gestured towards the rookie and moved towards a fountain. The rookie followed. O'Flannery crouched before the bloodstain and the rookie followed his lead. Look at this. O'Flannery pointed at the bloody shape. Do you see anything there? He pointed to a dark spot near the top. The rookie leaned in closer and squinted. I'm not. Oh. Oh wow, is that like the cloud thing? I think it's deliberate. It's a face. I can see eyes now. It's well now that I've seen it, it's pretty detailed, isn't it? There are teeth as well, I think. Yeah, I see that as well. It's quite a talented artist, really. I the radio know Flannery's hip squawked. He answered and listened for a couple of minutes, then barked. I'll be there in five minutes. He looked up at the quizzical rookie and smiled. Get yourself in the car, son. We're off to interview a pickpocket they picked up. Pickpocket? Why? Our friends at the store say this particular thief had a defining characteristic. His palms are cold black. And so we return to black, devoid of color, and pulling in anyone who comes close enough to notice it. What effect will looking into this void have on all our players? There are already bloody consequences. And we know that Detective O'Flannery Flannery has a moustache. Can't you see it twitching with anticipation as I do, dear listeners? But now I'm going to have to leave you twitching with anticipation yourselves. With peace in my soul, love in my heart, and four litres of human blood in my bathtub, I wish you all a good night, and I hope the gentle wolf of nightmares gets lost on his way to your doorstep. This has been Panos is Entertaining, a series of loosely connected vignettes written and voiced by Panos de You may now return to the void in which I assume you exist while you're not hearing my voice. Thank you.